We're here today to explore the body of work and uh, it's really great to have an opportunity to talk about this. For me, it's about uh, experiencing the work. In my mind, I would love uh, there to be some traction and this work to be taken and used and my sense is it has potential. But it's so important that the work's experienced. So today I'd really like to uh, talk more and explore with my friends here the the value of the work and the benefit of the work and, and how far it can reach and impact and affect. This kind of writing is different and it has an invitation and a call in it. And so how, how do we uh, convey this experience to you? We want you to uh, be able to share the pieces in our conversations and translate it into your life and what's going on and, and past, present, future. And hopefully together we can go on this journey of making some changes or at least making our foundations a bit stronger. To talk about this work, I have to say a few words, a kind of small cameo of my own um, life, because this piece of writing came out of uh, a period of living where there wasn't any answers for me at all. And I had to find a foothold, and my foothold was writing. Um, when I was young, there was very few answers for me to the questions of life and living, and uh, I was taken care of well at home, but there wasn't a lot of conversation or talking. And I noticed at a very young age, I remember thinking to myself, you know, I'm a bit out of touch and at sea, and I'm, I'm kind of living two lives. So one life is my what I, what I called as a little boy, I'm okay. You know, whenever anybody asks me, I'm okay. And on the surface, as friendly, I got involved. Um, you know, I integrated in life. I had my friends. Everything was okay. Um, but there was a, another feeling, and I called it lost inside. When I, when I tried to understand myself or just get to know myself, I just felt out of touch. And that feeling uh, was part of my childhood and growing up. And what I noticed I did as I started to grow up is I started to look externally to solve the internal puzzle. So it was my friends, it was uh, what made me happy, my adventures, um, my artwork, which I love to do. It was doing things in the outer world that was to solve the internal puzzle. And I, and, and I think that's what we generally do. But, but I spent my time doing that and, uh, and through school and elsewhere, I carried on achieving. And what I began to realize is I could achieve. I had, like most people, I had my serious restrictions and my gifts. And um, But what I also noticed is when I achieved, it was a little bit like sand in the hand. It didn't really satisfy me deeply when I got my A-levels, even when I went to university. It was, I was successful, but I wasn't fulfilled. And I kept coming back to this feeling that ache inside. There's, you know, this kind of two of me and I'm still a bit out of touch and really not clear. And so I drew a line and I drew a line in my late 20s. And I, I realized that I, I needed to change the way I related with myself. Um, you know, how, I needed to somehow understand how to work this human clay in ways that would bring some connection between these two lives and I needed to change something and so I decided to, to look inside and to, to try and 
find answers to questions that had been around for a while. And there were a lot of questions. For example, you know, what's, what's my passion and purpose? There was a lot of things I was good at and I got paid for it. I was successful, but it didn't, I didn't have that passion for at all. Um, you know, how do I really make a good choice for me rather than go along with things? kept getting caught up in that. My emotional reactivity, like most people, it kind of ruled my life and I wasn't in conscious control of some of the patterns I had. And, and it, sometimes it would cause difficulties in relationships or otherwise. So there were lots of questions and I knew that I had to do something to change the answer. And so I took what I call my wilderness journey, which is looking inside and seeking inside for solution. Because frankly, nothing had worked on the outside that was going to continue to, to uh, support me. And so um, I came to uh, doing this piece of work. And it was in my early 30s. And I realized I needed a foothold uh, in this kind of being with myself and learning about myself. And so I would write. And this writing I call evocative word. Basically, to me, writing and words are like a palette of paints. That, that, that's what they're like. And what I'm trying to do with language, with word, is to capture the essence of what's happening to me. I'm not trying to tell. I'm not trying to teach. I'm trying to, like a colours in a picture captures an image, I'm trying to capture the essence of what's going on with me and speak the truth as it is. And that's what, and I love doing it. And when I do it, I, I get very lost and uh, engaged with that process. So that was my way of tracking um, um, my, uh, what I would call path. And it would cause me to question and hold questions. It would cause me to have inspiration and insight and realize things. And all the way I was going, I would, I would track this work. Um, and I always called it an uh, evocative word. And I looked up the word evocative recently because I love language. And the root of evocative is a Latin word vocare, and it means to call. And I love this idea that you can create a piece of writing that is your experience, but that piece of writing, because it's about the human condition, it's about human life, can call to other people and have call them in, have them share their experience so um, I uh, created this body of work. In its first form, it was written work, but I soon began to realize it was very flat on the page. When I saw it actually in the form of a, a book, I just felt this is very flat and it doesn't, it doesn't uh, come off the page. It doesn't open up and reach people in the way I would like. So then I began to experiment with audio and uh, this idea that we can pause and listen. In fact, part of the contemplation and the listening is the meditation, if you will, is to is to listen, really listen. So the nature of the work becoming audio changed its texture and feel, and I felt it became more accessible. At the same time, people took up some piece of the work and were wanting to compose music to it or offer pieces of music to it. And so music came into the mix as well. And, and this was very iterative. I had I did not have a plan. It just shaped up this way. And so we have this body of work now, which is in, in audio format and is evocative word. And there are tales and stories and pieces of narrative work and uh, personal narrative. 
But what I found as life went on, it strongly influenced my life. But I also found that when I shared it, other people could find their connection with it as well. So that's how the body of work came into being. When looking at your body of work and the things that you've done over the years, it's very clear that the body of work that you've written, you incorporate that into your life. Yeah. And you do your best to assist and to uh, incite that same type of motivation in other people yeah. as well. Is there a is there a way you can like summarize it for those folks who are listening and are thinking, okay, okay, what exactly is this about? What is this nitty gritty? Is there a way that you can summarize it, or uh, can you put it in like a paragraph or in like a sentence or two yeah. that can really get some paint that mental picture to someone about yeah. what this whole thing entails? I think I can, Matisson. And and what's really funny about this is. Uh, this was a question that was asked of me about a year ago by someone who I work with. And my answer, original answer was, well, I, I, I really don't know how to summarize this work in a paragraph. And then the person who'd read my work said, well, there's this paragraph. And this is the strange thing about this work. I, in one level, I don't know what I've written because there's so much in it and right. other people see different things in it. So I, I can speak to the paragraph that, that she gave me, which I think is the essence of the work. But just before I get to the essence, the main, main message here is narrative and authoring and scripting. And what that means in our life you know, do we author our lives? Do we script our lives? Or is our life written for us? And so this idea of authoring, authority, authenticity is the, the real piece for me. And what I found is when I took pen to paper and I narrated my experience, it had an impact in my capacity to become authentic. So there's something about owning the narrative, shaping the narrative, uh, experiencing the narrative that had me grow. So if I wanted to kind of summarize this work, let me give you the, the, the paragraph. We are asked to evolve and grow in the very midst of things, to come to know ourselves more fully, to learn how to be and learn how to see into our human clay and find ways of working with it, to learn how to free ourselves from persistent ingrained habits that confine us and define us as small. In amongst everything, every day, we are being called into closer relationship with ourselves, towards insight and well-being, and away from the human plight of constant struggle. We are being quietly invited to be all that we can be, to come more fully into the light and to breathe life into each day of living. So that's my paragraph and it summarizes the work as a whole, the piece that I didn't even know I'd written. <laughs> so uh, that's where it is. But what, what I've been really interested in these last years is the, the currency of this work, the value of this work for us, for all of us. I think anyone who's trying to find their way in life, I think this work would have value. And when I look at all the pieces and all the stories and all the narrative as a whole, they point to life being a journey. 
a journey of gradually becoming conscious, aware, and responsive, rather than unconscious and reactive. And so it's a, it's a, a journey of awakening and discovery, right in the midst of things, right in the epicenter of the busyness and, and everything. And, and here, um, so, so it's, it's, in the, it's in the difficulty and it's in the challenge that we're trying to find our way forward. And it's often the nature of the grittiness of that that can shape up the circumstances where we can open and learn. And one of my things that I discovered when I looked into this was we have a role to play in finding our response to things. It's very important. The work as a whole holds messages of hope. And the message of hope, uh, the work has glimpses of when it's got tough, when we're in the thick of it, often there is an opportunity to have uh, a discovery of a treasure or something, insight, awareness, realization, right in the thick of it. And, um, and that is a, a great opportunity for us to live and learn if we participate in life. So how do we wake up more to life and how do we participate fully in our lives? Mm -hmm. Because the tendency is that we'll step away from that or get caught in busyness or get lost. When I work with people, they come with a lot of demands of themselves. I want clarity. I want direction. I want to know what my passion is. I want to know what my mission is, my purpose. I want confidence. I want power. You know, I want empowerment. I want resilience. And my message is that has to be claimed and owned and worked by our hands. Some of them, if you are fortunate, will be gifted. But many have to be discovered and found and recovered by us in life, right in the very, very midst of things. And so, and, and what I've noticed um, actually is that when people are offered the chance to step up and step in and do this work, they kind of prefer um, an uncomfortable sleep than a, a, a fresh wakefulness. People have a tendency to avoid it. So they want it, but it's, it's hard to yeah. get. And so the, the questions that, that come to me very regularly in the work that I do is, you know, where is my authentic response? How do I get out of this fog, this malaise, this caught-upness? People talk about being caught up, surviving life, unable to break the cycles, you know? Yeah. And uh, how do I find my growth in the midst of things? You know? And am I aware of my part in gaining or losing you know, these qualities, these human conditions, these treasures that we want? What's my part in it? You said something that I had to write down. I know, of course, your the true choice of words is on purpose. Mm -hmm. You said your response, mm -hmm. as in responding, not reacting, not reacting, but responding. Mm -hmm. Basically, what's the difference between responding and reacting? Yeah. So uh, for me, the difference is about awareness and about choice and about response. So for me, with awareness comes choice comes response. 
what I often find in my own life and what I find in other people's life is we do not develop the awareness. We continue to operate in the same zone with the same perception. And so we, we tend to react, not respond. And what we tend to do when faced with difficult circumstances and decisions is not to form awareness and choice, but to kind of hover like a cursor suspense. And in that place, we resign, not respond. And many, many times we haven't formed the action of uh, deciding. And, and, and this is a really important point for me to say that if we do not regularly find our choice of response, then we start to lose touch with ourselves because we, we're not defining who we are and how we are and what matters and what's important. So this word response connected to the work is a key word for me. I know that there are a few other key words that I've heard you mention. Passion, purpose, mm -hmm. authenticity, of course, journey, conscious, and being aware. Mm -hmm. All of these are buzzwords or keywords that each one of us in a certain point in our life, these words are going to have some type of effect. These yeah. words, you can have that. You can ask yourself these questions. Yeah. What am I passionate about? What's my purpose? Yeah. Uh, how can I be authentic to myself? Yeah. Am I am I being conscious? Am I being aware? You know, uh, how am I going to respond to the mm -hmm. situation? How am I going to respond to what's going on? And yeah, okay, th th those are lovely words for people to think about, mm -hmm. especially as we continue our conversation today. And even for listeners at home, just think about those words, passion, purpose, authenticity, being conscious and being aware and responding. And, and if I can take those words and just wrap them back to the first theme as well, which is becoming author in our lives, becoming the cause, the shaping of something, rather than having life written for us. You know, and this, this kind of begins to take us towards the piece that, that we want to talk mm -hmm. about today, Queen, that we're going to uh, experience and talk about. Would you like me to say a few words about Please that do, yes. Yeah. Okay, so um, life's pretty tough, and we use words like being authentic. But what does it really mean, and, and how do we discover our authentic stance? And, and even if we have a sense of it, why do we back away from, from being uh, true to ourselves? So this piece, Queen, is about integrity of being, being true to ourselves and trusting in ourselves and moment to moment learning to live that as an experience that will shape our life, shape our energy, shape our being and shape, shape our actions. However, it's very difficult to do because we are constantly bombarded by the expectations of others, conforming and obligations. And so there's an inherent sacrifice in the situation uh, when we start looking at authenticity. You know, how do I see into myself? How do I come to know myself? How do I work and shape my claim ways that serve me and have me live my life rather than survive it? And in fact, again, um, I'm a coach and I'm a therapist, so I love questions. Again, a piece like Queen raises questions. 
and I love questions, I would say to people I'm working with, please hold this question for six months. Don't give it one answer, just hold it for six months. And Queen raises questions, this piece about choosing an authentic response rather than sacrifice and compliance and obligation. Questions are, what is this life I'm choosing to live? When do we pause and look at ourselves dispassionately and compassionately, not judgmentally? What kind of life am I living? Am I living my life or is life living me? This is a very interesting question, but it's worth asking because how do I walk the fine line of uh, living what really matters? You know, and, and if I nurture my authentic roots, do I kind of kill the shoots before they come? Do I take one step and two steps back? You know, am I really living a life true to uh, what I believe in, what I feel in, and what is my own sense of, of me? So these questions are really important questions, and I would encourage people listening, and all of us, gently and respectfully, to take them into reflection and to consider them. Because even though they're uncomfortable and even though they're difficult, they stir a thirst inside to, to know, to comprehend, to understand. And it's almost like a shoot that's growing, you know. Um, what I've also found is that when human beings are offered a choice of response, they back away from it. They remain hesitant and questioning at the door of authentic living. And I have seen it time and again, and I have seen it in the mirror with me. And I think until we study what it is that stops us doing that and having a respect for that and an awareness for that, then we can get to choice and response. So, you know, how many obligations are on us? How much compliance is on us? How much pressure peer pressure and otherwise to perform. We could go on and on. Parental pressure, there's so much that we have to define ourselves by and with. So Queen is a, a story about someone who's put in a very painful position to choose between obligation and sacrifice or authentic response. And it's a uh, it's a common thing when you think about it. How many times in a day and a week that we are actually in that situation? This person has, amidst all the expectations that's put on them, finds their authentic response. And it, it raises the question, what is the price of freedom? Um, and she answers that question through her actions. And what she considers, Queen, is uh, there is a price to freedom, but in terms of authentic living, the act of freedom, the act of choice is priceless. So I don't want to say much more about the piece than that, but maybe we can listen to the piece now and we can explore some of those thoughts and reflections. That's a great idea. Let's listen to Queen. Queen. Once upon a time, there was a princess, a woman of great beauty and charm. Even as a child, her father would hold her up to the world. 
and say, See this jewel, this gift, see how her beauty shines. She wears the gown of serenity even though she barely stands. She is queen in this palace, ruler in this heartland. And many wondered at the child's particular grace, this face that always met the greatest of beauty's expectations. And the quiet, carefully chosen words placed as if threading beads. Yet in the evening, when the palace was finally silent, she would run down the halls, momentarily stroking the walls with her small shadow. Out, out into the dark night air and the embroidered sky of stars to bathe in the forest. Bathe in it, swim in it, taste the moisture in the air, reach with cupped hands to the roof of woven trees, and then to fall wondrously silent, whispering. Here, here is where my heart rests in the song of the night breeze. How strange that these black shapes are a blessing. How strange that my heart beats with its own thirst when I am free beneath the night sky canopy and dome. How strange that here is my home. Then she would run, run faster and harder than ever before, white satin taking the momentary form of ecstatic limbs, singing with this freedom. I am in love with being free. This forest lives inside of me. The king said, Come, child, you are a woman grown, now sit by me. There is a kingdom soon for your keeping, there is a throne, and we, your parents, wish to offer you this. Great beauty you possess, and wise you have become through your watching ways, through your perfect presence. What beauty God has given us! Praise be to God! The king spoke as he let his firm back rest upon the golden metal of his throne. See your kingdom, child, soon queen. You are home. But she was not home. She was not home with this gift. Too much the weight of this commitment so soon offered by a father not listening for a voice's return. Being without knowledge of the ripening woman inside and her world of yearning. And tears fell, as they only do when one must somehow make a stand. Yet either way, it is as if a fist is being shaken. I love my parents and wish to do their will. But there is a power in me, filling me, spilling all of my parents' wishes. It is as if a death comes either way, by any action I make in my own name. 
I lame myself in standing or become tame to obedience. Either is a soul shame. The forest that night seemed to close in. And she went wild with her struggling, feeling like the seed that splits its shell only to fall on driest soil. And she took the earth and rubbed it into her face. So that the smearing hid her staring eyes and what they saw in the fears appearing. She gowned herself in leaves and pulled them to her, wishing that they might take her beautiful shape and make of it bark, or lichen-covered rock, all so that life might stop this living of her and let her soul rest. And gone, gone was she in the tree wilderness, fast and running, finally slow and so, so still that no one would have known a princess held the space. No one would have noticed the silent, lowly, staring face. Then quietly, again looking upwards, she whispered, Grace me with wisdom. me with an elixir to help me across this great divide, across this great space over which I cannot travel, this distance that will surely swallow my stride. And a voice from somewhere inside answered, Sip yourself, come out of hiding, and take residence in your being. The next day the throne room shone like gold. Each jewel took the daylight as if together they were a loom of finest threads being cast into brilliance. The throne waited, as structures of authority do, aloof and definitive, never patient. The king busied himself in final preparations, chanting as he did, I am the happiest man that ever lived. The princess came slowly into the space, pearl skin faintly paler yet purer for it, now without a blemish from the night ritual. She raised her right hand and pointed to the throne. The king and queen looked up, startled to see her there, partway down the walk that had been so ornately planned. Their daughter had preempted their preparations. Then was the moment, and then was the sealing of fate meeting destiny. The act before all living beings and all of the gods that could not go unseen. Her statement. The act that would make of her a queen. She took off her cloak of purple and gold, 
and rested it on the throne. The world fell into silence. She went to one of the waiting guards and took his knife from its leather pouch. Then she took a youthful crop of her golden hair and severed it, placing it on the throne. She whispered quietly but clearly, This is the beauty you see. Then she moved to her father, the king, whose arms had already fallen to his side. She moved slowly, without a hint of self-consciousness, without a blemish of premeditation. She took the knife blade and drew it lightly across her white, white wrist, so that it caught the skin surface with the smallest hairline groove. Seeds of blood soothed the whiteness, coral blood. She spoke calmly. Look, this is the first time you have seen me. Then she moved to a place beside of the thrones and held herself for moments in the rhythm of her heartbeat. Then she looked directly at her parents and into the great weight of their broken expectation. She saw their love, their carefully considered intent, and was washed over by a wave of compassion. Then she spoke. I must offer my dying on this altar, if that is what you wish, for I will die for you. What I will not do is live for you, for every step that marks my way must come from within. I must become lost in my forests and learn to choose my path, learn to suffer my living, and learn to soothe myself in moments of regret and forgiving. Learn to find each new beginning. Learn to let what is hidden from me quietly settle and come to life, so that there is a possibility of acquaintance and friendship. I have a kingdom of my own that needs a ruler. And perhaps, at some time, I might feel grown and worthy, ready to take on this mantle. But it is not now. With deepest sorrow and yet clearest view, I must put this precious life for living ahead of you. It is with love I say this. For any other form of compliance would be deception and defeat. I must go into my forest, meet myself, and complete this life that you have graced with a beginning. A cloud passed over the morning sun, and in the great hall it was as if a mighty hand had gently brushed her words, bathed them momentarily as a child's forehead is touched in baptism. And those who witnessed these words covered their mouths and said to others, Indeed, she is greatness itself, and queen. So much of her that had been overlooked, been covered over and gone unseen. Others covered their eyes, as parents do when they acknowledge the penance of parenthood, for their crime of seeing through their children.
and it is true to say that none can purely stand aside in guilt, for part of a child's adulthood is sifting through their parents' silt. So, she left. So much a queen in every stride, so much a woman coming into her own, and so much a mistress of her home. And each step was marked with a single droplet of blood, left to dry on the purple polished floor. Her heart bled for the space she was leaving, confronting her grieving parents behind the closing door. That night she went before the stars again, only to be with all the weight of her day's words. The nightingale sang its musical cascade, and this tapestry of sound eased her. Wisdom is the heaviest of gifts, she said, and yet no other thing will bring me into blossoming. This wisdom is the mark of me, the extent of my search, the depth of my listening, and the reach of my acceptance. I know it to be my truth, my mark. It is the birth of my way. She caught the shape of a flower. Daytime pink, now dappled grey. Wonderful, she thought. Even in the darkness, to know my colour. So we have just listened to Queen. Are there some? Is there a few words you would like to say about the piece before we? kind of uh, break it down and go a little bit more in depth into some things. My, my study is always to see um, how this work lands with other people and what kind of conversation and response it builds. So in this instance, I'd love to hear from others and then I'll, I'll bring in my voice again. I've listened to this twice. The first time I heard it, it instantly made me um, go to a female perspective, obviously Queen my mind went to what my definition of a queen is in the culture that I've been exposed to. And I've had the pleasure of knowing people that have always tried to lift other women and say, mm -hmm. hey, we all wear a crown. We shouldn't be competing with each other. We're all queens. And that's where my mind first went when I listened to it. I was thinking, yes, this is the, this is a, a transformation 
obviously she was becoming a, a literal queen of this kingdom, but at the same time, she wasn't a queen yet. She still had to go and learn to be responsible, not just for other people, but for herself. She had to experience things first and gain wisdom to then take on responsibility of other people. That That's obviously the me summarizing that quite a bit. Mm -hmm. But that's when my mind first went was, okay, you know, not, not every person, not every woman is a queen straight away. But when we've, when we're learning, when we're developing, when we're maturing, it's okay to to take up and put put your damn crown on. You know, you've mm -hmm. you've earned this. You you learning, you're developing, you're helping other people, and that's what queens do. Mm -hmm. And in in my culture, that's what you do. Um, when you're confident, when you are bringing other people up around you. Mm -hmm. That is in my culture that I've been around. That's what the definition of the queen is, is a woman that is um, a matriarch, a, you know, a, a pillar, a strong woman, um, not because nothing phases her, but because when things do, she she takes it. She, she takes the bricks that people throw at her and she builds a new foundation, mm -hmm. you know, and that's the, that's the definition for me. The second listening of it, was interesting the whole idea that she goes to her parents and then she draws a knife mm -hmm. across her wrist mm -hmm. um not that she was trying to kill herself no. she was just saying i'm only human mm -hmm. i bleed i'm i'm not this holier than thou thing this mm -hmm. you know this ideal being just mm -hmm. because i look mm -hmm. a certain way just because i i portray myself a certain way mm -hmm. i am still human i'm i'm still going to make mistakes and I'm still going to learn and I need to but I think this would be it'd be a nice way I think if I needed to tell my parents I was going through a difficult time or struggling with my identity or whatever it is I would personally be quite happy to put this in front of them and listen to it with them mm. and hope that they would get where I was coming from I think it's a nice way of putting it, a nice way of using it. Um, but at the same time, it might actually, you know, stir up a lot of negative feelings in that person thinking mm -hmm. it's not that simple. There's there's a lot more to it. And, mm -hmm. you know, and she has a happy ending in the end because she gets to choose what she's doing. And a lot of parents, unfortunately, won't be as understanding and forgiving. And they just think, pull yourself together. Mm -hmm. We're doing this because it's what's best for you. Um, so it, it's good in a sense because I think they'll be able to connect with the work and at the same time I think it'll make them think you know what maybe I won't have the same outcome with my parents totally understanding my situation but the fact that she she was brave enough to tell them what she wanted to do who she was and she had no idea how they were going to react so maybe that's what I need to do too. I think someone else listening to it can think, okay, it's all open. There's no way of controlling how other people are going to feel mm -hmm. about what you're about to tell them. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, you, she did it in a very respectful way. Obviously, some would say it a bit dramatic by drawing blood. But the fact she said a little hairline, a little hairline cut. So basically just enough to make her bleed, just to mm -hmm. show she's human. And that, I think, will be very um, powerful 
for those people to realize, okay, <laughs> yes, the point was being made to say, I am a human being. I have my own thoughts. I have my own worries. I have my own idea of what, I don't know exactly what I want to do now, but I know this isn't it. <laughs> and I don't want to do this right now. Um, and I think that's going to be very helpful. And even if there's people that aren't old enough to maybe understand the work, work fully, their parents, they might be able to understand it enough to at least maybe it affects how they approach these things should it happen. So yeah, so second time listening to it was a bit more of a not so positive experience, but it was still just as valuable because mm -hmm. it, like you said, discomfort <laughs> is necessary. And that's the reason why most of us, when we're faced with, you know, facing things or moving forward, we choose to have an uncomfortable sleep instead. Mm -hmm. We'd rather just not not think about it, not go through the process because True. it's uncomfortable. And I'll just rather just have this little thing bubbling in the back, but just be oblivious and try not to even think about it. I think that a piece of work like this and other works of yours, no matter how many times you listen to it, you might actually have completely different reactions each and every time, depending on what's going on in that person's yeah. life, what's been going on in the news, what, what um, a person needs from it at that particular time. So if I was a woman that was feeling like a piece of meat, which a lot of us <laughs> do feel quite often in our lives. There's been many times I thought, you know what, maybe I shouldn't have lost that weight. Maybe I should have just been overweight and stayed that way. Maybe I shouldn't make, wear makeup anymore because I was being blamed by society for being attacked by men. Hmm. It's, it's your fault for looking <laughs> the way you do, for wearing the short dress, for doing this. So I was like, okay, I've felt that way, wanting to pull the leaves, to change my shape, mm. to blend in, mm. to not stand out because that was safe. I hope that the main message that um, someone would get from this is time. It takes time to get wisdom mm. and it takes time to conquer your own wilderness. Um, it takes time to uh, become that person that can help other people. And if you're not that person yet, that's okay to tell people, I want to help. <laughs> I really do. I'm not the right person for it right now. Give give me time. You know, I'm, I don't know everything. And one day, hopefully, I can be that person that you can come to. And mm -hmm. I can be that person to mm -hmm. take on responsibility. There are elements in the story that I feel very closely connected to, especially when growing up in a home of two very accomplished parents who are great at what they do, who are pillars of the community, who do things in their own individual lives as well as together that have made a difference in so many people's lives. Growing up in a household like that, there was just an expectation of you that is higher than that of your peers. It's not necessarily saying that they don't have any expectations they have to live up to at, in their own homes. It's just that within my realm of my world of understanding and how it relates to me, my level of expectation is clearly on a different, <laughs> it seems as if it's on a completely different <laughs> scope. That being said, like I said before, everyone has their own expectations you have growing up. There were certain things between the words of the king 
And then the words of the princess, of the things that she's saying to herself, things that she's saying to her parents, there are certain bits of the dialogue that I could either imagine parents saying to their children. I don't think some people recognize or understand the weight of their expectations on a child, whether or not they are uh, very demanding about it or they could be very just laissez-faire, kind of chill about mm -hmm. it. Either way, there is a certain amount of expectations uh, that is put on the child that a lot of times the parent is not even aware of. Not looking for her answer. Right. So even exactly. though they're not saying this is what's happening, yeah. they're still not waiting. They're not waiting and giving you the opportunity to say, actually, right. no, it's not what Father I not listening for a voice's yeah. return. Mm -hmm. That that's and I know that many people feel that throughout their life, whether it is a parental figure, whether it is uh, something at your job or just someone in, in general in life, you always come in contact with someone who is just not up for listening to really your response, but they are more of talking at you to projecting on you and how you feel, your interpretations, your thought process is completely irrelevant. And also, if I can just add, the, the next piece is and being um, without knowledge of the ripening woman inside and her yearning. And so without knowledge of the ripening young man inside mm -hmm. and his yearning. So it's not just not listening. It's without that knowledge of the inner, because often it's not expressed or it's not even seen. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and when you go for such a long time, with um, not being seen, mm -hmm. you know, if, if you go for an extended amount of time with not being seen, not being heard, after a while, you can begin to have that inner turmoil. Mm -hmm. Well, not can you will end mm -hmm. up having that inner turmoil. You mm -hmm. will try and figure. You will come to a point to where you want to understand. Okay, what am, where do I fit into this? Honestly, where do I fit in? Because mm -hmm. at some point, you're not going to be. There, you're not going to be underneath that roof. You're not going to be underneath that scope. You're not going to be uh, within that controlled environment that you were in before. Mm -hmm. Now, years and years of the situation, you will get to a certain point to where you have to ask yourself, um, "What am I doing here?" You know, there's a certain point uh, in the story where the princess says, "How strange that here is my home." Mm -hmm. You know. Yes. Being there and not recognizing where you are, yes. uh, <laughs> whether you were in that same environment you were in growing up or you're in a completely different environment, either way, at some point you will sit there and you'll say, this isn't, this isn't where, no, <laughs> something's not right. Mm -hmm. So going further along in this story, another point that really stuck out to me was, um, when she says, I'm in love with being free, this forest lives inside of me. Mm -hmm. Take that what you will, everyone can have their own interpretation of it. But there is something about being able to release what you have, that pent up energy, that, that uh, 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 those feelings of anxiousness, those feelings of not really sure. There's something about being able to Look at it, recognize it for what it is, understand that you need to change and doing your best to make that change, at least going towards that. 
There's something very freeing about that. Um, it's it is like a uh, a young forest before it blossoms and, and blooms. Seeds scattered everywhere. There's there, there there's you know there's roots deeply planted. You see little saplings, little things kind of growing. And then as time progresses through the storm, through everything else, through the journeys, the burning down, or whatever uh, calamity may happen, at some point, if left to uh, its own devices, it will grow into this massive, insane ecosystem. You know, this rainforest. You will have the Amazon mm -hmm. if you just leave it to its own thing. It will, nature will take its course It'll burn away. It'll grow again. It'll do the same process until you have something that is uh, filled with, 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 with richness, uh, uh, something that's very foundation, uh, breeds life. So you're speaking of kind of um, the, the freedom in love with being free, but also this potency and this potential yes. insight yes. that could, might come to fruition even with calamity. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. There is some type of peace and beauty within calamity and of itself yes. you know you you hear the in the eye of the storm is yeah. where is the calmest yeah. and a lot of times in life that is that that is true at some point when everything is flying all around you you know you know trees and houses and the random cow flying in front of you <laughs> um at some point while you're in there um you could call it an epiphany you could call mm -hmm. it uh, God speaking to you, whatever you want to call it, at some point, everything is still. Mm -hmm. You will find that stillness. Mm -hmm. You will have that little piece of wisdom that seeps into your ear and then it just kind of spreads throughout your entire body. Something will calm you and get you to the point to where you realize your actual potential. You realize a bit more of who you are. You haven't yet figured it out, yes. but you realize a bit more who you are and you have to be more open to uh, 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 um, taking that journey to figure it out. Mm -hmm. And in Queen, that's what it seems like she was doing. Yeah, and I think the connection with nature, obviously that that's a theme throughout all your work. There's yes. always a, a forest or a plain or a pool or, you know, there's always this nature element to all your work. Yes. and in a way, that's, I think that's what we do. We are a forest because we are an ecosystem. We have different aspects of our personality that all somehow have to coexist in mm -hmm. our brain or in our, you know, and in our environment. And I think burning down our forest is a good thing, just like it is in nature. Mm -hmm. That's how nature gets rid of pathogens. Mm -hmm. That's how nature gets rid of the disease. That's, it's all necessary. And then, once that is clean, it's like a new slate and then the new shoots come up because you can't completely destroy mm -hmm. nature with fire. It's impossible. Right. That's what seeds are designed to do. They're designed to withstand disaster because that's what they need. Mm. It's now my turn. It's like, right. cool. So it's I a couldn't. kind of cleansing. It's a cleansing, yes. And I think that's what we have to do. We have to do what nature does and yeah. we have to burn everything and be like, you know, obviously not quite literally. Not, not no, physically please, burning. Please, no one burn <laughs> Don't set yourself alight. But, you that. know, hypothetically or yes. um, emotionally or spiritually. Right. But the, 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 the thing for me in this story and connecting both your themes really is this thing about we take ownership 
of our life. Mm -hmm. So the forest will grow anyway, but at a certain point, we can choose to cultivate, we can mm -hmm. choose to tend, we can choose to cleanse. Yeah. And in that act, somehow, like, like you were describing it, Madison, at some point in this potency of the forest, by this act of self-worth mm -hmm. worth and work, self-worth and work, we somehow begin to experience our root system, experience our growth and experience our presence in the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and it, so we we could easily um, abdicate, right. you know. <laughs> you know, I love your idea of a crown. I love this <laughs> description of a of a powerful matriot woman with a crown. But it made me wonder about. Um, she says, "I I too have a kingdom of my own that needs a ruler." Mm -hmm. But I wonder how many times I've lived life uncrowned, yeah. and I wonder how many times people exist rather than live. And don't wear the crown mm -hmm. of here's a life worth living. Here's my opportunity, my chance. Mm -hmm. I, I, I assume, I honestly think that that happens quite often. Mm -hmm. um, that we are stuck in this pattern of, you're stuck in the pattern of surviving mm -hmm. a lot of the times. Mm -hmm. You're not, like you said, you're not fully living. You're not, you're mm -hmm. not being yourself. So when you're stuck in this pattern of surviving, it's, it's something that you've had to do since you were a child. You've had to... Uh, you've had to cope, you've had to deal with, mm -hmm. you've had to survive, you had to just move forward. Mm -hmm. Doing that and again and again creates those calluses, you know, uh, on your soul, on your heart. It, it, it makes you a bit more like, okay, this, this is the usual. I'm used to it. This is fine. You get so stuck in this particular way of doing things to where when you see that little, that little peak into actually living or that little peak of your truth. Yeah. Uh, like you mentioned before, you sometimes you're just like, I'm just gonna go, I'm gonna go to sleep. Yeah. I'm gonna take a nap. This is way too much. Mm -hmm. Nah, I'm comfortable with where I am. Mm -hmm. um, but back to what was said yeah. in, in, in the story, then was the moment, and then was the ceiling of fate meeting destiny. The act before all living beings and all of the gods that could not go unseen. Her statement, the act that would make of her yeah, a queen. queen. That specific act, that moment to where you gather your things up and your response is, I, I don't know what the outcome is. I don't know exactly the direction I'm being headed. But what I do know is that where I am isn't it, and I have to go figure it out. Um, and hopefully, whoever is on the receiving end of that can either accept that or can mm -hmm. learn to accept that or at least open mm -hmm. themselves up enough to take what you've said and to say, Godspeed. <laughs> it, it, you, you picked the pinnacle point in the story and, and the, the big question that it raises for me, for all of us, for you in your journey, for me in my journey, how do we know? How do we know our power? How do we know? If we stand on condition of getting it right and everything being well, we'll never stand. No. And so this thing that goes witnessed by the people, by all the gods, it must go unseen, this witness, this stand that will make of her a queen. I think from time to time in life, there are setups for those moments mm -hmm. when we have to choose between being an author um, and a script 
writer, or have life written for us. And I believe in my experience of life and people and great opportunities I've had to live and learn that there's consequences. And there's something, your, your major point, this stand of itself mm. is generative. It can germinate something. And I think this is really important. And you mentioned it as well about this power of the queen women to just stand. You can't get it right. But you can stand, yeah, and that can have value. I really connected with the wisdom is the heaviest of gifts, mm. because mm. I feel like the more wise I get, the more I have to control my frustration yeah. with others. Yeah, and when you see someone going through the same, yeah pattern over yeah. and over and over again and you, you just want to shake them sometimes like seriously snap out of <laughs> yeah. it right. because you can't do the same thing over and over again yeah. expect a different result yeah. right. and it's, it's like you said the uncomfortable slumber or sleep it's it's you, you, they'd rather instead of just getting uncomfortable and learning to yeah. strike out yeah. and try something else yeah or just give themselves a break or just stop yeah they'd rather go with what they know which is like a temporary comfort or whatever it might be it. that then will lead them to go into that same pattern that's it you know and then you now are feeling like you now have to deal yeah. with letting or just watching people carry on yeah in that in that same pattern and you're thinking once you take that first step mm. even though it's uncomfortable it gets easier and easier because yeah. you get more practiced with it you realize there is a there's a much better outcome in the end and that that keeps you I motivated i love it so there's a kind of human algorithm which yes. you do one and you can do another mm -hmm. but this thing about grace me with wisdom which runs through the whole piece it's such an important piece because she says you know grace me with an elixir that will get me across this great divide because otherwise it's gonna yeah. swallow my my stride and then these words come from from nowhere you know sip yourself yeah. come out of hiding you are you know, your elixir. Yeah, you, you are. It's exactly. <laughs> Sip yourself, come out of hiding, take residence in your being. So this is the act of power. We can take residence. We don't have guarantees, but we can take residence yeah. in our being. And this is the grace. This is the, the grace of wisdom. And uh, unless we leap, we don't know. And the gift is to own the step and own the power and experience it. And there are consequences mm -hmm. if we don't. So in order for someone to take this step, mm -hmm. in order for someone to make this leap mm -hmm. of, of, of faith, mm -hmm. when it comes to finding the courage yes. to do that, yes. it's, not, it's not a blanket thing. No. It's not it's just something, it's not a quick thing that we could just say, oh, if you do this, you'll find the courage. But in your own life, yep. How have you been able to find that courage? How have you been able mm -hmm. to gather that inspiration just enough for you to look at the direction you think you need to go mm -hmm. or for you to open that door? Mm -hmm. Like, what? how was that for you? How did you mm -hmm. gather that? So the million-dollar question. Um, <laughs> of course. Um, so, so I'll answer it first by looking at Queen and then give you my answer okay. from my experience. Okay. So if, if we look into Queen... The, 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 the little treasures that the peace gives is nurture an inner life. Go into the forest. Experience the forest. Understand what, your, what, what freedom is to you. Understand, tap into this 
place of being. So if you're on a constant treadmill and you're on an automated train track all of your life and you neglect any sense of what matters to you and what brings you happiness and what cultivates uh, energy and inspiration, then we gradually lose touch with ourselves because we're out of touch. Mm. So the first message is nurture an inner life, pause, experience yourself, stay with the questions. Now, what I've found in life, and it happened for Queen as well, you'll get tested on that boundary. And, and if you neglect it, the tests will come and they'll be tough. Mm. And of course, she doesn't have every, as you were saying, now, she doesn't have every answer. She doesn't. She just knows that, you know, uh, this forest, you know, this, this forest, strangely, is my home. Mm. And yet when the king says, you know, there is a kingdom here for your taking, you know, come sit by me. And then he says, you are home, you know. But home is our, it's something we create. Mm -hmm. And being not at home is a common human uh, scenario. So the, the first message is nurture an inner life. Pause, take time, value these things that you notice that move you. Try and develop a closer relationship with yourself. Look at what expression means for Adrian Machen or Madison. Look what that means and honour it and be with it. And if you don't know the answer, sit with the question. Give that relationship, the most underdeveloped relationship in the world is one with self. I can speak from watching it time and time mm -hmm. again. So why don't we nurture and nourish that relationship in the spirit of living a life and serving and, and being able to, like the queens in your story, be an example yeah. of empowerment, but also giving, you know. So nurturing in a life. And the second message is uh, take the leap. Now, the courage has to be in understanding the nature of who we are. If we don't leap, we effectively yeah. lose touch. So with a, an understanding of the human condition and that the clay is moldable and that in developing that inner life, then awareness brings choice and response. So find your moment. It's not every time as you described it. We're allowed to be human. We're allowed to be fragile. We're allowed to hesitate. However, the leap is in order to know. And without the leap, then there, there will be consequences in our sense of self, in our strength, in our conviction, and in our ability to narrate or author our lives mm -hmm. and shape things as we would wish. So knowing that, courage comes. What I thought was interesting is even though there's a princess involved, you didn't end the story with her getting married to become queen, no. which is a very common narrative, isn't it? And mm -hmm. I thought, that's good, because actually, regardless if she became queen without being married or she was just you know or she had to marry to become queen she still had to take that time for herself most definitely so i thought that was interesting that even though you didn't end it the typical sort of fairy tale way with queens and kings and princesses nope. Nope. it 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 still put her in the center of her decision making so that's exactly correct yes and i thought that was in, that was good because however you identify yourself when you're looking to, if you have to be in a relationship with someone else in order to feel comfort, right. that that's 
that's not a good place to be. And it's only ever going to be a temporary comfort because you haven't got a relationship with yourself. No one else can have a relationship with you if you can't have a relationship with you. It's impossible. (laughs) They're they're not going to... The people in the back can't hear you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right. That was... I know. And I was just thinking, like... And and that's another thing with the wisdom. Um, I remember I was single for almost two years and someone approached me nothing wrong with them they were a really decent human being but my wisdom told me no mm-hmm. and it's not because they wouldn't have been a good match it's because I knew I was still doing something for me mm-hmm. and it was a selfish I, I was made to feel very selfish by this person because we were like oh you know you What's the, what's the matter? He was like, oh, I'm single. We, you know, blah, 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 we, and I'm like, no, <laughs> just no, because my my heart, mind, whatever it was, I was in charge at the time, was telling me no. I I've I need this time. I'm not broken. I'm not trying to. At least I, I didn't think I was trying to heal from anything. I was just happy, and I just wanted to stay in that state. And Maybe it was by in a queen or whoever yeah. saying this wasn't going to contribute to your happiness. Yeah. Well, you, you're touching on something so fundamental and there isn't language around this that's helpful. And when I've been working with people, this is very difficult because you, you get called selfish mm-hmm. by investing in yourself. Now, if we stay in the primal state, dipping in and out of the forest but never being authentic, then we do become Mm self-absorbed. Strangely enough, by not acting, we become very (laughs) self-absorbed because we overthink and we Mm overprocess and we also become self-sacrificing. We don't speak for what we are. We don't speak the words. We don't stand. And so it's self-absorbed and self-sacrificing. Ironically, the kind of step that you take, I call it selfness. Because there isn't anything in the language, because otherwise giving attention to yourself can seem selfish, self-absorbed. Yeah. Yeah. But this investment in this relationship with self brings an ending of self-absorption and an ending of self-sacrifice mm-hmm. and a clarifying not just of our power and our capacity, but what we can bring to others. Yeah. So I had to invent a word for it, because otherwise people would naturally in their natures, and often led by kind of religious and spiritual convictions, oh, you know, you really shouldn't focus on yourself, give to others. But if you don't do this work, I can promise you one thing, you'll default to self-sacrifice. While while looking through the text and listening through, um, an important thing, not necessarily just when it comes to to the princess or or, or the queen, the the other important thing is the response of the parents, mm-hmm. the response of that authority figure, that response of whoever's on the receiving end of you explaining that you need to go mm-hmm. through what you have to go mm-hmm. through. A important part of that is is listening, not just hearing, mm-hmm. but listening. Can you go into any type of uh, details yeah. about that? Yeah, well, I, I can just say a few words, but it took, took me back to the, the Queen text, at the point where she says... Um, You know, I can put myself on the altar and I can die for you. But what I can't do is live for you. And I think we all have children. We all have young adults. um, But it's very easy to box um, children as children. You know, idealize women, uh, put certain boxes and labels or men. And even in families, we're given different roles. And I think the, the key message for me in in all of this in the parent role is please do not see through your children 
you know, don't look through them, as the piece says. You know, you just, you don't see them. She, she, she has to do extreme things to say, look, I'm not, I'm not just this serene human being with beauty. I'm living and there's a life in here and it's already taking it. The forest is already flourishing. And I don't really know what everything is, but I do know I'm alive. Do you think that's like showing, do you think it's something that of a, a showing some type of vulnerability? Is that what it is? I think, what it, what I think it's in, in the parental role. I think it, there's a really important point where we stop seeing our children as children. I mean, I see some cultures in the world that continue to see, um, I hear people that they've got children of 35 and 40 and say, this is still my child. And I often think to myself, yes, it is still your child at one level. This is an adult. And I think this idea of adult, adult, and really, really seeing people as beings, really listening and coming to understand their view, their life, as opposed to this habitual tell and this habitual, you know, and with good intentions, yeah. best intentions. You know, the throne was offered, the kingdom was offered with good intentions, but you're missing this living being. So at a certain point, and it's quite young these days, in my experience, 10, 11, 12, 13, mm -hmm. come to realize this is a young adult. Listen, be, give, give time and listen, guide. But instead of parent-child, parent-child has so much tell in it. It has so much advice and it boxes the being into something small. And these beings have got so much to deal with in this world, they're probably growing faster than we ever did. Mm -hmm. So nurture the shoots, nourish the shoots, and listen. Listen. I think, yeah, equip them at the very least, because you can't, you can't shield them from this world anymore. Um, and I think they've also put a lot of responsibility of parenting on teachers. Mm. Yes. Like I've literally yes. walked past schools on my way to like, go for coffee yes. or something and I'm listening to parents having a go at teachers because they're children that aren't potty trained. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm thinking, that's not the teacher's job. Yeah. Like, well, how is that? Yeah. Right. You know, but that's, I feel like there's a lot of pushing of responsibility sure. away from the person that brought that human being into the world. It's like, you, they didn't ask to be born. No one does. Right. No one that's here today asked to be here. So if you're going to bring someone into this world as, you know, confusing and some may say messed up as it is right now, mm. hopefully it'll get better. But at the moment, this is what we're dealing with. Mm. There's a lot of amazing things in this world that we should be grateful for. Right. Um, things have changed a lot than how they used to be in a positive way. Mm. Um, we don't have, well, there's still somewhat of a slave trade and things like that, but on a global scale, we've all recognized that that's not okay. And that's something we need to always recognize mm. how far we've come. I can sit here and talk to you and I can go and get to a dentist and have two Caucasian blonde blue eyed dentists work on me mm. and they will see me as a person, not as below them. Mm. And that's progress. That's something mm. every time it happens, I'm like, this is amazing because mm. my grandmother wouldn't have had that. Mm. So that's something I'm I'm constantly reminding myself. But when I listen to you as well, and it happens often as I get to know you, but one of the things that I realise is when you've had the adversity and when you've been treated more as a minority or boxed, it could have defeated you and depleted you, mm -hmm. any, but it's actually strengthened you. Oh, gosh, yes. And I think this is that authentic stance again about what we have facing with us. Do we 
take a victim path and you know a victim in the jar and just say you know the world's wrong it's not for me mm -hmm. i'm treated badly get over it you know it just this is the way it is or do you take a stance with it and my sense is when we uh, when we take our step with adversity with the world as it's not and we take our place with that and we put our voice to that then there's something else uh, that we we add but we're also strengthening so going back to Queen, take take residence in yeah, your being, exactly, and and that's what that that's a living example for me, of yeah. taking residence in your being. Sometimes people want to dull your light, yeah. and sometimes people want to put you in the shadows mm -hmm. and make you feel you're less because of it. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't matter because you know you know your you color. know you know your color, you know your light, you know your be your your being. So just, just let it. Just remind yourself every time it's a bit dark Beautiful. that you're still there. Mm. You're never going to change. And only you're only dim if you let that circumstance dim you. Yeah, I agree. This has been a very, uh, it's been an informative conversation. It's been enlightening for myself. And I, I, I hope that it is for the listeners as well. I do want to thank you both for being here, taking time out of your day. And I thank you for joining us on this wonderful, uh, uh, on this journey that we're going on and giving your, uh, giving your perspective and what you've taken out of this. Adrian, a massive thanks to you as well. You're very welcome. For, of course, allowing me to be a part of this wonderful thing that you have created i want to see how it flourishes mm -hmm. and i want to see how people take it and how they not only insert it and use it in their own life but also how they can help others with yeah. it the whole pay yeah. it for it kind of a thing yeah. i want to see what other people do with this to help and inspire someone else yeah yeah which is what you've done for me which yeah. is what hopefully <laughs> we can use this platform to do for someone else that keeps going well that would that would be wonderful and uh, i don't see this as my child this piece of work i see it as my adult it's my honest expression of life and living and i just uh, find it fascinating and incredibly enriching to listen to people's human and heartfelt responses to it so thank you very much indeed absolutely Absolutely. We will have to do this at some point again in the yes. future. We'll talk about some of the pieces and hopefully we can have more conversations on uh, societal things as well. Mm -hmm. I think we can put uh, some more things about what's happening today's current mm -hmm. set in time and we can see what we can come out of that one as well. Brilliant. Thank you. Thank you. Well, thank you. <laughs>